Welcome everyone, you're listening to Bear With Us with Jordan Jensen and Joe Belansky. In this episode, we rank the top five positions of need for the Bears heading into next week's NFL Draft. Hope everyone enjoys listening to the show and continues to stay safe during the coronavirus pandemic. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bear With Us. We are a little less than a week away from draft night, which the Bears don't have a first-round pick. But it's still pretty interesting. You know, basically all we have to look forward to in the world of sports. So, again, welcome to Bear With Us. I'm Jordan Jensen. Joe Bolansky. And this episode will we will be breaking down the top five positions of need for the Bears going into the NFL draft next week. This is weird, right? Obviously, the Bears were 8-8 eight and eight last year, so they're sitting like right in the middle. And they were, you know, top five defense, bottom five offense. So if you look at it from that perspective, you say, well, okay, you know, like... It's obvious what the needs are, right? It's all on the offensive side, which might be true if we're talking about trying to win next season, right? If it were just next season that it, you know, which is all we had to worry about, maybe it is offense, but there's so much that you have to keep in mind with the draft, not just about next season, but about guys you have on your roster now who are getting older or are going to be receiving big contracts coming up, and the Bears don't have a ton of money right now. So there's a lot of factors that you have to keep um, going in this podcast. And, you know, we tried tried doing a video last time, and I went to upload it, and I was really blurred for some reason. So hopefully... That doesn't happen again. But this, again, will be just the top five needs. But before we get into that, Joe, how are you doing, man? How, how's this quarantine season treating you, man? Oh, man, it's doing all right. It's like one of those things where it's like I'll feel like shit, and I don't know if it's because I just like <laughs> had been eating all day long or if right? it's just like depression, right? Like it's yeah. probably a combination of the both, <laughs> but both. like I'm, yeah. I'm hanging in there like, dude, I had I had way too much for lunch today. Just felt like shit and fell asleep for two hours. Hey, that's okay though. That's so that's okay. where that's where I'm at. We're boredom meeting, been playing a lot of uh, truck driving simulator. That's a lot of nice. fun. It's exactly what it sounds like. So in theory, truck it's like re- it's okay. really stupid, but it's weirdly fun. So I've been doing a lot of that. But yeah, man, it's it's weird. XFL gone, gone. That's crazy, isn't it? Just dude, gone. That, like, like I thought that like bums me out, dude. Because like I was a big fan of the AAF. Now there was no guarantees that, that was gonna work like right off the spot, but it seemed like the right. XFL was like poised to yes. at least do better than what the at AAF least did. Be around for a couple of years, yeah. E- even though like the AAF had a lot of. Excuse me, ex NFL guys involved and like people right. who were like, okay, you can make this work, and it just didn't. But then, yeah, because of excuse me, all this corona stuff, they they canceled the season, and the next thing we know, they're shutting down operations and filing for bankruptcy. 
So it's crazy. With never with that, would I have thought, you know, this quickly. Mm-mm. So like that's gone. Obviously, there's no baseball going on, which should be happening. I'm seeing all of like the mean tweets being like, today would have been the final week of like the NBA yes. and NHL with like playoffs starting up. It's like you don't need to remind us. So right. within within the sports world context, it's been obviously kind of bleak, but we do have the draft to look forward to. It's going to be sure. this weird virtual draft thing. Now, with Goodell calling the picks from his house, like, I don't know who. We need some, like, smart tech genius to, like, hack the Zoom and pipe in booze. Yeah. <laughs> because that's one of, like, the best traditions with, like, the draft, and I guess, and just Goodell in general is, like, just the roar of booze that show, like, yes, that just happened as soon as he walks out on stage. And we're not going to get that with this new kind of setup they're doing they're doing like virtual invitations but it's only for like the top 50 prospects i don't really get how they're judging that obviously you i have of know, no idea you you know you kind of know the order that guys are going to fall into place a lot of that stuff is sort of predetermined even before the draft happens right like there's just some guys where you know they're going to be number one number two number three overall or whatever so right. it'll be interesting to see how the draft kind of plays out i know it's like an espn and nfl like cross thing that they're doing i know like trey wingo is kind of doing like a hosting thing um i don't know are we gonna get uh mel kuyper because we better I sure do. we i sure hope we get mel kuyper because like, the dude the dude's a machine he doesn't take a bathroom break no he does yeah he's a he is a robot i swear you, you and you get his little like poofy hair his little like yeah. whatever that is like i need I need Mel Kuyper more than I need air. So hopefully somehow <laughs> yes, somehow he gets mixed, gets thrown into the mix. But regardless, we're a couple couple weeks away from the draft, so there's something to look forward to, something to talk about. But yeah, man, how how you been doing? You kind of been moving and shaking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I work at a restaurant and they got closed down, you know, because all of them are, but we're not even doing takeouts, so we're just completely closed. So my buddy um, works at a liquor store, and they are starting to do deliveries to people's houses for free. So, and they were doing that for like a week or so, and they're like, man, we are really busy. We need to hire a driver. So my friend was like, hey, do you want to drive for us? You, you know, it's really simple. We box it up for you. We put the address on the, you know, right on the side of the box, and you just take it there, knock on the door. Ask for an ID, and that's about it. Sometimes they give me a tip, sometimes they don't. But I'm here for it because I was doing absolutely jack shit and nothing there for a good two to three weeks. So any form of employment, I would have said, yeah, literally anything, anything. But especially this, I'm I get to drive, I get to listen to the score. You know, I went so long without listening to the score, and now I'm like, gosh, I can't believe. How much I list I miss listening to like Lawrence Holmes. Lawrence Holmes. Like I I can't believe how much I missed that. But yeah, things are good. And you know, today things got really great. And I don't want to go on on too much of a tangent here, you know, because we're already going off on a tangent. <laughs> but looking at this the um logo on your hat. That's right. The yep. bulls are in a new direction. For the first time in my entire lifetime, I'm 22 years old, and the first this is the first time 
that they've made a front office change. And honestly, it's probably the best news that I've had for a long time from the Bulls. I, I can't remember the last time I there was this like sense of optimism. I really I really don't. I, I have no yep. idea. No, I'm so, I, I broke out. I broke out the Bulls hat. I got on a D row shirt. I'm all Bulls today. Because like, yeah, man, day. it's exciting. You talk about all right. The before before we go off anymore, you talk about the weirdest thing. How they like announced the signing of our tourists. Yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna call him AK because that's that's just a cool nickname, I guess, and it's easier to try to say his name. But they announced that hiring at like midnight, out of nowhere. Yeah, like. Like, I was just, like, laying in bed in my, like, and I, like, couldn't fall asleep. So, like, I just, like, was on my phone or whatever. Then it was, like, well, what the hell? This is, like, happening. And so it's nice to see them do stuff in, like, a normal time, right? Like, so, yeah, today, today was a big day for, for Bulls basketball. So that's definitely, definitely helping. Absolutely. And hopefully next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is a big couple of days for the Bears with the draft. Now, Joe, let's let's get started in on our list here, on our top five. Joe, you want to start out with your number five? Yep. And unfortunately, unfortunately, and fortunately for this position group, it's a deep class. But the Bears don't really have an opportunity. They don't have a first round pick. But again, right. I'll take Khalil Mack. That's fine. It's Absolutely. worth it. But the biggest need, and I think you're probably going to agree with this. Um, or wait, should I start from the bottom? Yeah, let's start from uh, the bottom. All right. So, obviously, like in the offseason, we had some big departures. Uh, Prince Mukamura gone. Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix. I was thinking that he was maybe going to somehow be willing to, like, stick around. I know that the Bears wouldn't have had a ton of money to give at him, but he's gone. So, while, yes, it was a top five defense um, and through, through the offseason and stuff like that, Robert Quinn, the defensive line mm-hmm. is stacked. But they need to show up a little bit in, the, in like the cornerback and like the cornerback in the backfield. Um, I'll, I'll just stick. There's a couple more, but I'll just stick kind of strictly the cornerback. Um, you know, Kyle Fuller can't do it all himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know who off of the roster could come in and be a steady number two. So it's it's a deep enough position and kind of like the secondary. Um, so my my fifth biggest need would be definitely cornerback. I think that's something they need to show up to kind of. Make it a yeah. complete defense. Now, I guess when you have a monstrous front five, you don't necessarily need a good secondary. Right, right. But 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 you also do, right? So I think that there's some intriguing names out there. Obviously, Okuda would be the biggest, but he's not going to be there in any right. shape or form. So I think there's there there's some position there's depth and there's value that that they could still get with their first pick at 43 to kind of solidify yeah. some of that defensive backfield. Yeah, and and I think you're you're right. And not only when you mention when you bring up Kyle Fuller, yeah, you're totally right. He can't do it all by himself, but also he can't do it for much longer either. Yep. I mean, he's starting to get up there in age. I'm not saying he's going to fall off a cliff next season, but you got to start to kind of wonder uh, how many more years does Kyle Fuller have left at this kind of level, right? And then you look. Because I was also thinking about putting cornerback on my list. And then I looked at the depth chart. And I saw guys like Buster Screen, 
Trey Ro- is it Robertson or Roberson? I can't remember. I think the, it's the Canadian uh, football Harris. guy. Yeah. Roberson. Yep. And they they brought um I'm drawing a blank on everybody. Who's the guy they brought from Pittsburgh? Um I can't remember his name, but he was a first round oh, pick a couple yep. of years ago. So I know who you're talking about, but I can't think of a name which right. doesn't help. So, but no, I know right, who you're talking about. Right. So and and they've got a lot of guys, right? And 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 they also have I can't believe I'm forgetting all the names here. But they also have the court, the cornerback on the roster that was from LSU a couple years ago, the undrafted guy who played a little bit last year. He's also all right. You know, if he's not your number two spot on every down cornerback, he can fill in and be all right. So when I when I looked at the depth chart and I saw a lot of guys who maybe one of them turns out and is a pretty good number two, or at the very least, there's a good amount of depth there that if the if the, if there isn't an absolute stud or at least a really good corner there in the second round, then I'm kind of comfortable waiting till the later rounds till we can take a flyer on a guy. But I was I'm totally with you. And I think I think this is where if the Bears had a first round pick, this might be where they go. Because cornerbacks typically and I'm not I'm not trying to sound like an expert here or something, but typically the really good cornerbacks are taken early or in the mid first round. And then you find you tend to find some really diamonds in the rough later in the round, four, five, six ish, you know. So taking a guy in the second round, okay, maybe he's all right next season. Maybe he takes a couple years to develop. Maybe he never even develops, you know. So when I when it that's when I looked at it that way, I'm like, eh, maybe not. There are other positions that we really need to talk about. And I'm for my number five. I'm also going to stick on the defensive side. And to me, when I, when I say this, <laughs> it, it almost is hard for me to say because it's the strongest position really on the Bears, and that's the defensive front. That's the defensive line. You know, we have guys like Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Goldman, you know, Bilal Nichols. Like, that's a really solid, you know, three-down lineman in, in a 3-4 system. But... We saw what Akeem Hicks does to this Bears team and defense when he's out of the lineup. And there's not there's not a lot of depth behind him. You know, Bilal Nichols can play everywhere. Eddie Eddie Goldman's really just a nose guard, a nose tackle. So when it comes to really getting depth at that position, you you still have guys like Robertson Harris, you know, and, and like I said, Bilal Nichols can kind of play everywhere. But if you can get another guy and because you win and lose games in the trenches. I mean, you see it, you, you've seen it time and time again every single year that the team with the most dominant defensive line that can just bring in just a ton of guys, those are the really successful teams, right? So this isn't necessarily a guy in the second round. It, this could be a guy in the fifth round. This could just, this could be anywhere in the draft. A guy who can just come in and be a really good rotational guy. A good who, a guy who can play, you know, um, nose guard. He can play on the edges, and he can get after the pass rusher, and he can be a good run stopper. He just has to be, just has to be all right, you know, just a rotational guy who maybe could turn it into something in the future because that's really all they need on the defensive line at the moment. 
Oh, and the the Pittsburgh corner was already Burns. Already Burns. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. In 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 speaking to like defensive line, um, he he's kind of high up there. But again, it's a little bit of like a smaller school. But I'm really big on a uh, Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. The dude okay. is a game wrecker. So right, like if he if he mm-hmm. if he's available, sure. Yeah, that was the thing is when Akeem Hicks was out, that defense was ineffective because exactly. all the attention can go to Khalil Mack. When exactly. when you have when you have a healthy Akeem Hicks in there, it's like okay, you can't double both of them, right? right. So just really open things up, yeah. So you know, I don't I don't hate that if they can get it in like, see, is fifth considered a mid round? This Bears draft is stupid, man. Like they had seven picks, but like again, really, there's only value in like the first three. So yeah, if there's someone there at like one sixty three. Maybe mm-hmm. fifty, right? It, it it depends on how you feel. Some of the positions that they need addressed, but but yeah, and obviously bringing Robert Quinn in is going to be huge to kind of yeah answer and some I, of those questions, they, right? And they plan to play him more outside outside yeah. linebacker, but he can also play defensive end, I guess, if he has to. If we're in a bind, yeah, and that's that's why I kind of like Curtis Weaver. He's kind of more of like a pure end, right? But mm-hmm. I I got to think that. Chuck Pagano could figure out a way to to oh, maybe move oh. him inside or something like that, and he's a freak athlete too. So that's that's kind of someone that I'm really high on. That's at one point was getting talked a lot, getting talked about a lot, but isn't so much anymore. So right. if they could bring in somebody like that, I wouldn't hate the pick. Um, you know. Right. So yeah, I, I agree with with defensive line. Yeah, they're set, but outside of starters. Right. There's really not much on the table. So, exactly. yeah, I, I definitely think that long-term slash sort of also kind of win now if they could shore up some of that stuff on the defensive line, which, again, sounds crazy, but it makes sense with how, how, they, how you want to kind of operate right. your team and you want your defense to be. Obviously, you know, having too many good players is a good problem to have. Exactly. And, 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 and kind of like I said with Kyle Fuller, you can say this, you can say the same thing, if not more so, with Akeem Hicks. You know, yep. he's never had any injury history until last year. Maybe that's just a fluke. Maybe it's a sign that he's getting older. Who knows? But at some point, that level of production is gonna fall off. Whether that's just him being older, him getting injury injury prone, or or both. In fact, and you see what happens when he's out of the lineup. You can't afford that. You can't afford it. Yeah, and even, like, just going real quick back to, like, Kyle Fuller, it was, like, there was a period in time where it was, like, okay, is this dude going to turn into a bust? And then he really kind of yes. started yeah. to develop, mm-hmm. right? So, like, yeah, how how long is this window of solid play from Kyle Fuller going to be because that wasn't something that we were getting early on? Right, so, exactly. So, with anything, maybe that just shows, again, he's getting better with age. He's, like, a wine or something like that. But Maybe. there's not too many years left on that label. So absolutely, sticking kind of still sticking still on the defensive side of the ball. Like I had said, haha, Clinton Dix unfortunately departed. There's really not. I mean, you know, Dion Bush or is he a corner? Dion Bush is a safety. Yeah. So like you know, obviously we have our guy with Eddie Jackson. You would have liked to see haha stick around, but I think with those two second round picks, they could they. There's enough depth uh, at the safety position to kind of help sure that up, whether that be um, that kid out of Lenore Ryan, uh, whether that be Jeremy Chin, if he's available from from Southern Illinois. People have gotten really high on him. Mm-hmm. Is more of this kind of draft workout type stuff has his progress. So 
again, if you have a killer defensive front, sure, you don't necessarily need a good secondary. But I think safety is kind of something that they're lacking depth in, right? Like you have Eddie Jackson. Well, who else is going to kind of protect that middle of the field? So whether it be one safety, two safeties, if they can bring in more guys and test out and see who's going to fit, I think that if they can shore that up, it could – the defense will turn into a more complete defense. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. And I I personally, I'm a fan of Deion Bush. I think he's serviceable. I think he's solid. But I don't want to depend on him going forward, yep. right? Because he is on this one-year deal. So let's say he does play well next season. He's going to get a decently sized contract to play somewhere else next season. And then you're sitting here next year. Without without a safety, right? So that makes it very important to draft one this season, which isn't very good. You need to draft a safety this year to maybe have him play right now. At least you know add some competition for Dion Bush. Did you get Did you get all that delay? Or is that just what I'm seeing on Maya? And that was bananas. You were like slow mo, <laughs> and then it sped up. I didn't see any. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, I I missed like half of that, and then it went into like rabbit mode. But Did I'm, it? Oh, yeah, shit. but I'm gonna hopefully, yeah, hopefully that then uh that won't you know transfer over to the uh, recording. Hopefully not. I don't know. But I'm I'm gonna trust that you were saying something good, even though I couldn't. Sure, <laughs> sure. sure part of it. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, absolutely. So safety is definitely uh definitely a, a position that they need for next season and seasons to come because there isn't that other safety on the roster right now. Yeah. It's like Eddie Jackson can't defend the entire middle of the field himself. And again, it seems, it it seems weird that you have a top five defense and, and we're talking about some of these positions that they could approach in the draft. It seems weird, but it's more for like the long-term picture, right? Because some of the guys in place aren't getting any younger and again, right. like you said with Deion Bush, where, yeah, they brought him back on like a relatively inexpensive one-year deal, but all he has to do is play well, and some other team's going to throw the bag at him. So exactly. it seems funny, but there, there is a few spots on the defensive side of the ball that they can kind of shore up to protect the long-term future. And as guys start to age, still kind of keep this championship window open. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. And... And that's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they didn't really address that position very much in free agency. They brought in Jordan Lucas from Kansas City, who was a backup and special teamer. And they brought back Deion Bush, who has played well when given the opportunity, but he hasn't had that opportunity very often. So that's really a giant question mark at, the, at, that, at that position. And, and also, what's interesting about that position is what kind of safety are they going for? Because if we go back to two years ago when they had this all-world defense and they had Adrian Amos right next to Eddie Jackson, he's more of this prototypical strong safety in the box, just kind of like a run stopper, right? As where Eddie Jackson's this ball hawk in the middle of the field, you know, almost like a you know your coverage safety. And then they totally... And last year flipped it when they went to go ha when when they went when they went and brought in ha ha Clinton Dix, right? So they had two pass coverage safeties back there, and you didn't see Eddie Jackson necessarily be as effective. So it's like, okay, do they want to go 
back to what they did last year with a guy like Haha, or do they want to go back to two years ago when they had someone who could? It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of safety they bring in because they will bring in a safety at some point, whether that's another veteran free agent after the draft or during the draft. So we'll see. Yeah, because like it's a weird spot too where. They have they have a ton of like secondary players, but none of them's really jumping out of the page and screaming at you other than right. Eddie Jackson. So exactly. that's definitely something that kind of needs to be addressed for long term health of the team, if you want to say. Absolutely. And number four on my list, um, the Bears do not have their quarterback of the future. It's not Mitch, it's not Foles. Neither of them are that level of quarterback. They can both be serviceable. They can both be all right. And in Foles' case, even, you know, he can even be great at times. But neither of those guys are the guys, are the, is the guy that the Bears can lean on for five to 10 years. I don't feel comfortable with either of those guys for the next five to 10 years. I don't even feel comfortable with either of them for more than two years, to, if I'm being completely honest with you. And since it's that position, since it's the quarterback position, the most important position in football that makes it very important when you don't feel comfortable with someone like I do. So, and there are some really interesting guys. I mean, we were talking pre-show about a guy in Jalen Hurts that could has the potential to really turn into be an incredibly impactful quarterback, right? A guy whose ceiling could be higher than both Foles and Mitch three years from now. As to where he won't be any better than Mitch or Foles this season. But going forward and looking in the future, that could be a pick that a real diamond and a rough pick that really helps you for the next 10 years or so. And there are also guys in this draft, <laughs> excuse me, um, that I really like there in the second round. I really love Jacob Eason if he's there. And if Hertz or Eason aren't there in the second round, there are also guys later in the draft who you can take and be like, eh, you know, I don't really expect anything. You know, they don't jump off at you, but maybe we bring them in here and maybe they turn into something, right? You know, we have a quarterback friendly system that hasn't performed, hasn't produced quarterback friendly numbers, whatever, but maybe we can find a diamond rough. You know, there are guys like James Morgan. There are guys like Cole McDonald and there's guys like Jake Fromm who, you know, was potentially a first or second round pick and then really hurt that at the at the combine. So there are those guys who you, you, you look at them maybe as backups, and there are also guys like Easton or Hurts where you look, hmm, they're not gonna be ready to play this season. But we we don't we don't need one for this season. We need one for maybe the next season or the season after that, because we don't think we have that guy right now. You know what I mean? See, yeah, and like I'm not there's still like a sil like a sliver of a silver lining. Like I'm not completely out on Mitch, but I do agree. It's like, yeah, I don't really think that obviously Foles is going to be long term. And again, you, it's it's not going to be a problem to have too many quarterbacks, right? Because obviously, right. right now the quarterback room is Tyler Bray, which you know he'll realistically right. spend most of the season on the practice squad, anyways. Absolutely. And it, and then your one and two is obviously going to be either Foles or Trubisky. So, yeah, I do agree that there's there's a lot of depth, even at quarterback, outside of maybe the 
glaring like top three, depending on who you want to put there, whether if you include Justin Herbert in that or not, that's, you know, that's dealer's hand there. But um, I really like, oh man, I'm trying to find out who he is too, who would be available at some of these later picks, whether that be, you know, 163, maybe 196. There has obviously been some success of sixth round quarterbacks, but um, the kid from uh, from North Texas, right? He was training with um, Drew Brees, and he he definitely could have benefited and improved his stock if there would have been more traditional and normal pro days and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find his name. I don't know why this is being this is something difficult uh, to do, but regardless, hold on, I need to do this because this is going to bother me. This is great audio. But, yeah, I agree with you that um, quarterback is definitely something that they need to address for long term because I think they could probably they could walk away relatively scotch-free um, from Foles after, what was it, like two years? Yep. So, and again, whether or not um, you think Mitch is the guy, that's, that's up to you. Again, I'm not totally sold. Yeah, Mason Fine is the uh, North Texas Mason quarterback. Fine. Okay, yeah. The, Mean green. Um, mean green machine. Yeah. But yeah, I think definitely within this draft, it is polarizing because that's the weird thing, too, about like Jake Fromm. Um, obviously, like I, I think he's getting a little undersold, kind of, right? Me too. Yeah. And to a certain degree, you can kind of lump him in. Now, obviously, it's the same school, but like a Matthew Stafford type guy where like, He's going to be solid, but he's not going to necessarily be able to take the team over the top. But unfortunately for, for Stafford, it was the entire team around him that kind of right, yeah. has limited his success. But I don't get how you're going to be a four-year starter at an SEC school, go to multiple SEC championship games, go to the playoffs, what, like twice? Like yeah. a, sh- a schlub isn't going to do that. So I don't really get why Jake Fromm isn't getting more love, right? Yeah. And, and I, when in terms, when in terms of like style of play, I put Jake from more into Alex Smith category as yeah. where he's not going to, he's not going to blow you away with arm strength. He's going to be mildly accurate. You know, Alex Smith in his case is very accurate, but you know, and that's what from really struggled with at the combine was accuracy. But that's the thing that he was really good at in college was understanding the offense, knowing where to go with the ball and being a, just, just a good quarterback, not great. But he's not going to lose you games, and he's going to be above average, and and that's and that's what I kind of view him as. You know, that's kind of like his ceiling for me as Alex Smith, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's a good ceiling. If I'm calling you Alex Smith, yeah, that's a good thing, right? That's not a bad thing. That's just a game, a good game manager, one of the best game managers that we've ever seen. He's not going to take your team over the top, but if you have a good team around him, he's not going to lose you the game, and he's and take it in playoffs here and there. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'll take that 10, 10 times out of 10. I'm just not going to take that guy in the second round necessarily. You know, if the Bears had a third or fourth round pick, yeah, you know, yeah. that makes more sense to me. You know, so that's that's where the, you know, this comes all comes back to bite the Bears in the butt, right? Where they have this <laughs> incredibly strange draft pick, you know, like two in the top top 50 and then basically nothing after that it seems like it's it's that's where it comes back to bite them you know but um next year hopefully they'll get back on track with that when they hopefully have a first round pick you know who knows but 
and, and my thing is too is like I feel like with with Nagy's system, it's like if there's enough playmakers around, they don't necessarily need somebody who's going to be extraordinarily mobile, right? Yeah. So that's where no, I kind of don't. feel like somebody like Jacob Beeson or even from um you know, or, or even um, Mason Fine, right? Like, yeah, they, they could survive having kind of a more traditional pocket type guy. Yes. But because of mm-hmm. some of the the weaknesses throughout the offense, yes, it, it sort of turned into, oh, okay, this guy kind of has to be a little mobile right. with obviously having been Mitch. And then when they when you see something that he does well, and then they move away from it too, right? So that's some of the head-scratching stuff too. Absolutely. Where with Mitch, it was yeah, like when he was in, we've we seen him excel kind of out of the pocket and being able to just sort of not overanalyze things and just sort of react. He was kind of a very right. reactionary. He was really good at that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like if they could kind of shore up some of these other things, I don't have a problem with sort of a more traditional type guy. Yeah, either. And unfortunately, that's where Mitch isn't his best is when he has to mm. be that traditional type quarterback. So I, I definitely agree that quarterback is definitely something that they can look to address there could be some value in the late rounds because again at this point throw as many quarterbacks in the quarterback room as you can and just yep. figure it out right like yep. that's not a bad problem to have but yeah if somebody like Jalen Hurts is somehow still available I'm all in on Hurts because like we were talking mm-hmm. pre-show I just I, I just like him as a dude he's a good dude he's a hell of a leader he's a winner right like right those types of things don't happen by mistake when it, when an athlete continues to perform at a high level and gains the respect of the locker rooms that Hertz had. Right. Absolutely. Like to when, when Hertz went out and was sitting on the sideline and Tua was stepping in and then continuing for the next season, you didn't hear Jalen Hertz ever complain oh, about right. it. Right. Like he was still there to support Tua. And that's a guy that you would love to have in your locker room. So somebody oh, like absolutely. that, or, or again, one of these other kind of guys that we'd been talking about, I think right. there's there's an opportunity to address it, but it's the lack of draft capital that the Bears have yep. that makes these decisions difficult, right? Where where are you willing to spend your resources when they're so limited, right? Because right. I, they don't have like a mid-round. I don't know. I don't know if you would consider mid-round like three to five, but they only have a fifth-round pick, and it's at the tail end of it anyways. Right. So that's, that's definitely kind of a challenge that's going to be for Ryan Pace and um, for him to figure it out is what, like they, he has to hit on all of these picks. Oh yeah. Especially the first two. He's got to hit. Those have to be starters. Absolutely. The rest of the picks, if they're just core, good special team, you know, contributors and good backups. Good. You know, you, you did, you did your job. Yeah, that, that definitely puts the Bears uh, in a predicament. But I also Absolutely. have quarterback um, on my list. But the, sort of the next glaringly obvious, which they tried to shore up by signing Jermaine Nefetti, but offensive line mm-hmm. is something that needs to be addressed because that was a big part of the offensive struggles last year. And obviously, big you know, and I, honestly, I think even though he was injured, just having Kyle Long on the sideline, did make a difference for for that offensive line because he's a ride or die guy for his team. He brings the energy whether he's in or not. Obviously, the energy when he's on the field is much different than when he's sitting on the sideline, but he was always a valuable guy. So obviously with him retiring and walking away, I think offensive line is something that they could they need to address, and that's something they could address at either in the fifth round at 163. I think that there's still enough depth 
where they can find mm-hmm. someone or if they go all the way up to, you know, 50, maybe even 43, maybe with their first pick, they end up going offensive line. And I could live with that because that's something that needs to be addressed moving forward if the Bears kind of want to get back to where they were in 2018, 19. What would you consider the double doink year? That'd be like 19, 18. Yeah. Yeah. So if they want to get back to that, there needs to be sort of elite offensive line play. But a big part, too, was that offensive line was always shooting themselves in the foot with dumb penalties, right? So hopefully yep. if they bring someone in, they bring someone in discipline, but the entire unit sort of has to get yes. better, right? Even the if they don't bring unit. in, the remaining guys need to just be better and get more discipline. Yeah. And what you can only assume is going to be a weird yeah. offseason in terms of OTAs and stuff like that, that's not going to help. So right. if, they, if they do find an offensive line, he's got to be ready day one, and they have to have confidence in that. Absolutely. And and you're you're totally right. And the the thing that is weird about the offensive line is that in 2018 the offensive line was pretty good. Yep. You know, across the line, you know they were good. They weren't great, but they were they were pretty good. And you bring in the exact same. Yep five the next season shit so what happened here did everyone just regress is it scheme what happened there has to be something so it's it's weird because it was it was atrocious last year charles leno was absolutely awful last season so bad but we've seen serviceable we've seen him be serviceable and like every year before that so what happened what do the Bears have to do to get those guys either they, – they have to get them back to the, um, how they were playing before or they need to get new guys in. Is it, like I don't know which one it is because none of them are relatively old, you know, and we didn't change the scheme. So it, I'm, I'm confused as to how it just went to shit so quickly, you know, and, and they did bring in Jermaine Effetti who is all right. You know, I'm surprised we got him on a one-year deal because he has played pretty well in the past. And where do you put him, though? Do you put him at guard? Do you put him... I don't think you want to put him at left tackle, but, you know, but... Because I think the Bears' most glaring need on the offensive line right now is right guard. You know, the whole unit needs to be upgraded. I mean, one through five, really. But still, it's going to be... That is going to be really interesting. I I also have them higher on my list, so I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, but you definitely cannot go wrong with any offensive lineman help. Number three on my list. This is something we were talking about pre-show, and this is a absolutely loaded wide receiver class absolutely filled the bears have two guys who you feel really comfortable with obviously alan Allen robinson who was just a stud right and then when anthony miller is on the field he plays pretty well but that was when he was kind of the third receiver you know kind of behind gabriel and robinson and do you feel comfortable with him being on the outside 
you know, because he's been kind of playing in the slot and the outside. They've been kind of moving around a lot. Where does he play? So if Miller is your number two going in the next season, is he good enough to be on the outside? Or is he going to be on the, on the inside and replace Gabriel? Okay, but then who plays on the outside? Javon Wims, Calvin, you know, uh, Riley Ridley. So there is definitely a need at wide receiver. It just depends what kind of position and what kind of receiver you're looking for. Are you kind of looking for a slot receiver to kind of just replace Taylor Gabriel? Or are you kind of looking for a bigger guy who can play on the outside, you know, and have Robinson and outside, Robinson and Miller just be this guy on the inside and, and Ridley and Wims and all those guys kind of, just back them. So there's two totally different ways that they can go about it. That they can go about it. But the good thing is, this draft class is filled with wide with wide receivers. And I know that they have talent and they have spent draft picks on wide receivers in the past. They spent a seventh round on John Von Wims. They spent a fourth round on Riley Ridley. They spent a second round on Anthony Miller, and they spent a lot of thirty six million dollars or whatever on on Robinson. But they are still they are still making up for that miss on Kevin White. Yep. They are still trying to like, like fix themselves from that miss, and they're almost there, but not quite. And they led the league in drops last year. That's all you kind of have to look at for leads. The league and chances are you need better wide receivers and luckily like i keep saying there's a ton i really love jalen rieger i love kj hamler he's basically taylor gabriel 2.0 there's chase claypool if you got if you want a big guy on the outside there's kj hill from ohio state who can do both there's um quintez cephas from wisconsin who can play big on the outside there's gabriel davis from ucf there's an absolute ton of guys it just depends what kind of receiver you're looking for. You know, what do you think Anthony Miller can do? You know, it, it's it's going to be really interesting, but there are a ton of guys you can take either in the second round, the fifth round, sixth round, anywhere you really want because there's still going to be talented guys no matter what. Yeah, and I think, too, like, going, like, speaking to, like, Anthony Miller, it's like if he can stay healthy, I think he could be a number two. Like, I really do think that he could be so on the outside and, and be a number two and hopefully – Getting, uh, getting his shoulder fixed, right? Because that was kind Hopefully. of the problem his rookie year was it was always just popping out, which is insane that you're just like, you know what? Pop it in, I'm good to go, right? Right. So hopefully that kind of helps. And I I don't know. I've been seeing some offseason stuff from Kelvin Ridley, and I really think that he could be ready to kind of make that jump. So I think so too. So and I, I, don't, throw, I just don't know what position three, he's going to play. I would, I would think maybe slot, right? Because he's not a crazy huge dude, I don't think, is he? I don't think he's huge, but he's also not like lightning quick to be in the slot. So he's he's kind of he's kind of this tweener, you know. Yeah, and I think again, it'll just depend what Matt Nagy kind of wants yeah. to do. But I, I definitely think that wide receiver, I had that on my list, is, is a position to kind of address. And just sort of like the quarterback room, it's like again, just load it up, right? Like for whatever reason, they're going to be carrying nine tight ends right now, currently on the right. roster. I, I would think that that changes once they have to trim down and stuff like that during the offseason uh, to get down to 53. But, yeah, I definitely think that there's enough there where, in hell, they can even find um, Malcolm Perry, quarterback from Navy. I, I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be a quarterback, 
but he's kind of a gadgety kind of quick guy you can sort of slot in, right? right? So, yeah, there's there's names all across the board you could be comfortable with, but I, I do think that um, Anthony Miller is ready to sort of make that jump to number two. I, I really think that he has it in him. It's just can he stay healthy, right? Yeah. Because he, he he's, he's kind of has that attitude and that mentality. Oh, and absolutely, just he does. Everything you sort of want and you know that he has the – like. Everything that shows he has the ability to make that next jump, but are we going to be able to see him out there for an entire game, for an entire right. season, right? So right. Be- because of that, yeah, I definitely think that's a, an area they need to address. And, yeah, I mean, look, Kevin White, right? For a while there, right. it was like every year they're getting a bonus pick because he was hurt. Right. And now he's, now he doesn't even have a job, right? Right. Like how, how, how often does a top 10 draft pick burn out that quickly? Where four years later, right? I don't even know at this point because we, we again we had that bonus pick for so long, right. but four years later they're already out of the job, right? Right. So that's definitely something they need to address in the drops, right? That's something too because we saw last year that um, Allen Robinson was pretty much being leaned on the for the entire season, and that's yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think that there's definitely enough depth. Um, obviously, some of the bigger name guys that you would like to see aren't going to be there. Right. But who knows? 43 is possibly they, they can strike gold there. If, if right. they go, if they spend their first pick on something like that at 43, go wide receiver, 50, get offensive tackle. And again, after that, just hope for the best. Right. My next one, because we went. You, you took mine with off uh, wide receiver, but again, we kind of knew that, that was going to maybe happen. Yeah. But if we're sort of thinking ahead, running back possibly, right? Because you got to think that they're not going to be able to retain Tariq Cohen. And yeah, de- depending on how Nagy is wanting to run things, right? Like obviously David Montgomery presumably is the main ball carrier of the future. And, you know, maybe they, they get another kind of pound the rock type guy. Excuse me. Or they get some kind of gadget. I mean, like I even said, uh, Malcolm Perry. For he, he could easily be a running back too, right? Because that's just kind right. of the style of offense that that the armed forces, or at least Army and Navy, run is just this spread and it's just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. So if you know, maybe in the later rounds, if they take if they take somebody like that and turn a running back, but I just don't see them in the future being able to retain Tariq Cohen. As much as I like him, and he's a fan favorite, and he fits exactly kind of within Nagy, what Nagy's trying to accomplish, I think that in some of these later these later picks, that's something that they could possibly address. Yeah, and that's that's definitely possible. I really did think about that. I I thought about running back though in the terms of just getting another guy who you feel comfortable getting carries because. It doesn't seem like the Bears are really willing to give Tariq Cohen carries out of the backfield. Oh. They want him on the field, but if he's in the backfield, it's like he, you don't you, you almost know he's not getting the ball, at least you know for a run play. You yeah, know? it's going mean, to be some kind of little screen or something like that, or some it, kind of it, jet sweep. Exactly. So I thought about running back in terms of just kind of almost like another guy like David Montgomery who in case maybe Montgomery gets hurt or maybe you just don't think he's that good, you know, maybe taking another guy there because they, the Bears need to do whatever they have to do to get the running game going. 
whether that's a better running back, whether that's a better offensive line, whether that's scheme, anything. They have to do all of it and then some because it was atrocious last year. Um, so I definitely thought about that. I But I never, ever has it crossed my mind that the Bears might not be able to retain Tariq Cohen. You don't never. think so? I, I, I don't see him leaving Chicago. I just really don't. Um, and that's almost in terms of if you just look at almost every success pick under Ryan Pace, they get a second contract extension. And like you said, he is a fan favorite, right? The people love Tariq Cohen. And it seems like Tariq Cohen kind of likes being here. And he does fit the system. And he is a big part of this offense. Because, I mean, he's top five in all running backs and, and, and receptions last year. I mean, he's really valuable. But, but And in that sense, I don't think it's going to break the bank to get him. I don't think he's going to get, you know, 10 or like even 8 million anywhere. I think he's going to get four to six, you know, maybe seven you know, a year, you know, somewhere else. And I think the Bears are willing to to keep that around. I really am. So I don't, I'm not worried about Cohen leaving, but running back is interesting because like I said, they need to do anything and everything to get that running game going. Absolutely. It just kind of makes me nervous. It's like just sort of the way that we've seen NFL offensive kind of offenses kind of go where, you know, spreads and stuff like that are starting to seep their way finally into the NFL. Because mm-hmm. I just feel like Tariq would kind of be a hot commodity as soon as that contract was up, right? And I just think like, some team, whether that be, you, you know, Cliffs Kingsbury in Arizona, something like that, I could see him fitting in well there. Oddly enough, granted, they have a stable, but, I mean, if you just add another dynamic like Tariq, to say Baltimore or something like that, how much of a difference that would make there? Like, I just yeah. think that he's going to be too hot of a commodity Yo, where, yeah, yeah. De- de- depending on what Tariq's going after, right? Like, and now running backs to plenty of positions. So, granted, I'm never going to shame any NFL player for, for going and getting their money. But I just think that for a running back, that window is smaller. And it wouldn't surprise me that if someone is going to throw a ton of money at him. Now, I'm not saying... Christian McCaffrey type money. I'm not talking, you know, but something in the range of seven to eight, nine, something like that, where I just don't know within the structure how the Bears would really be able to do that, depending on now, too, if they're, you know, willing to extend Allen Robinson, which I kind of think they should, but how expensive is that going to be, right? Like, the Bears' salary cap situation is kind of a weird thing, too, that it factors into this shitty draft as well, because... There is so much money put in with, I mean, hell, even Robert Quinn, right? Right. He, he's not going anywhere. Sure, they can get off skate free for the most part from Nick Foles after two years. But there's just so much money tied up. It's like, I don't know how they would find the room to get for Tariq's Cohen's camp and for the front office to be on the same page. I just think that's going to be kind of tough to do. I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm with you that a lot of teams if if Tariq Cohen were to hit the open market, a ton of teams would be very interested in in bringing him in. But I don't think there's going to be any team who looks at Tariq Cohen and says, "We're going to pay this guy eight. I don't even I don't even think he's going to get seven, but seven to nine million a year 
to simply be a pass-catching running back because he doesn't get any carries. Now, maybe in a different system, like Arizona, let's say, maybe they would give him more carries and be more part of the offense. But also just the way that we're seeing, even like all-around running backs, let's say, aren't getting money on the open market. I mean, Melvin Gordon got, what, seven and a half or eight? I mean, Todd yeah, Gurley, right, and and Todd Gurley got six, and I know that he has the injury history, but these are all-around backs that aren't even getting a whole lot. So in terms of that, I don't see it. Just because it's the running back position, he doesn't give you much other than receiving, and, and he can return kicks and punts too, but that's about all it gives you, and I don't, I don't see any NFL front office saying, yeah, we're going to spend a lot of money at running at the running back position. But now that you say it, the Bears could also be that team, right? Who said, you know, I mean, look at what they have on the roster now. They're not paying really any running back. I yeah. mean, so maybe that's a philosophy that they want to keep, you know, going with in the future. Who knows? You know, but we'll see. Because Tariq Cohen definitely is a, extremely valuable part of the offense so who knows it would be really interesting though if they were to bring another guy in in the late rounds or something definitely because like what i think too is like uh, a team that would like come in and maybe in a sense overpay him again maybe something more in that like seven to nine is a situation where a head coach and the gm have a good relationship right like i could see gruden possibly convincing um mike mayock I, I could see somehow Gruden liking something there and being able to do something. Yeah. I mean, hell, de- depending on how different of a New England offense we see now that not Tom Brady isn't there anymore, I could see Bill coming in and scooping him up, right? Because he yeah. sometimes likes these sort of I oh, he loves say, them. Yeah. Swiss Army knife kind of gimmicky guys, but like teams where the, the the coach and the GMs have a good relationship. I could see kind of getting coerced yeah, into spending high on him. Yeah. You know, and I can very well see it. And that's the thing too. It's like, okay, so yeah, for the most part, that running back room right now for the bears is inexpensive, right? Montgomery is only going into year two. It, say, say they pay some, you know, they extend Cohen. What does that say then to maybe their commitment to then somebody like David Montgomery, who's going to be your overall workhorse, depending again, what that deal would look like. Would they be able to then lock up Montgomery in the future? So there's there's a lot of weird yeah. things that I, I, it'd be interesting to see to play out. So if there's somebody that really jumps out the page to them and and they think that they could do something with, I I think it's worth taking a look at, at whether it be in one of these kind of later rounds, either 163. I mean, hell, there's a possibility even at their their last pick in the seventh round at 233 that they could find somebody that they yeah. really think. It, it's going to be able to do it and be cheaper at that point, right? Where that way, then at that point, they can walk away from, from Tariq Scave free. I got a hard time kind of seeing it, but I also think that's a real possibility, just kind of what the Bears' salary cap kind of looks like. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely interesting. And it will be, it'll be interesting if they go that route because I think you can also get a guy who uh, I brought him up earlier who I'm really high on is K.J. Hamler. Who could also, you know, he's this Taylor Gabriel type. He's five foot nine, just really, really quick. He could also be this guy who plays in the backfield and is your kind of receiving back. You know, I mean, he could play that role too if he ha- if if he had to. Um, 
and he could also be your main slot receiver. Uh, you know, but who knows? Um, go my number two on my list is some you already talked about. Um, ha ha, Clint Dix is gone. You know, he he played well replacing Amos, but the Bears, in my opinion, they need more of a typical strong safety. You know, than ha ha was. You know, someone who can really be that run stuffer and then let let Eddie Jackson be what play and do what Eddie Jackson is great at. And that's being basically a, a giant cornerback who plays it, right? And and Deion Bush is out, like I said, but he's not great. And he might not even be good, but when he has been asked to play safety, you know, at fill-in times in the past, he's played, played pretty well. You know, and he's at contract under $1.5 million this season, but the future cap going forward, like we keep bringing up, is looking pretty slim. And drafting a guy who could either, you know, A, you know, be better than Bush right now, or B, be someone who can step in if Bush has a successful season next year and earns a decent payday somewhere else next season. So, and, 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 and like, you guys, like you said, I run chin, 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 I think. Chin. Maybe. chin it's got two chin. ends. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know, but, but, but it's yeah. with a C. So maybe it's chin. I don't know. I really don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. I don't know. But there there are a lot of guys who can kind of be that role. And I think you saw what how good that defense could be with a guy like Adrian Amos, who's a prototypical strong safety. So I don't know where they get that guy. It doesn't have to be with the first two picks. It could it could be later in the draft. I don't know. But I think if they were to really find that guy, it would really, really help that team, not only next season, but for for the next five years, really. So, and I know we already talked about that. So we let's try not to. What? Too far. But who is number one on your list? Without, because we've already kind of talked about to his, you know, basically cornerback, safety, offensive line. So right. for for just funsies, someone who you could get at 226 or 233, may as well, right? Because we thought Eddie Money was the guy. we seen him struggle. Hell, let's throw kicker into the mix, right? Oh, like, hell yeah. We, we may as well try to improve everybody. And now I don't really know. I'm trying to look this up now. This definitely isn't. I'm having a hard time, but yeah, I mean, let's throw kicker in the mix. They obviously have enough late rounds where somebody like that's going to be taken. Oh, uh, I don't know yeah. a ton who would be off the thing, but again, just bring bring in that competition and let's let's see what you could do because I'm not totally out on Eddie Pinheiro, but I'm kind of starting to think he's maybe not what he thought he was going to be. Now, granted, he's still sort of young and he sure is a hell of a lot better than Cody Parkey, but mm. if we're trying to improve this team, you know, we may as well start at something that's kind of been one of the biggest glares. So, you yeah. know, may, may as well throw a kicker into the mix again without getting too repetitive. That's uh, that's who that's what I'd have to say. Kicker. Yeah, that's definitely um, interesting. Right. Because. I've always been on edge of the idea of drafting a kicker. Right. Because they're so flimsy. Right. I mean, we saw Tampa Bay draft Roberto Aguayo in the second round and cut him the next season. 
right? And like he's never got, he's never really had a shot after that, right? Like he's never played an NFL game after that, and and that was in the second round. I couldn't imagine doing that with like a fifth round picker. I guess a seventh round pick you could live with, but that just seems, I don't know. Like they definitely need a kicker, right? At least someone to bring in competition. But it's just hard. It's so hard to gauge college kickers. You know, it's it's I don't know. You know, and I don't I don't even know how you scout kickers. You know, like like to me that's more mental almost than than it yeah. is production wise. I mean, you can just look. It's simple to look production wise. You really got to look into it. Where were they kicking? Where are the conditions like? What are they in between the ears? Right, because that's. It's a really mental game, you know, when it comes to kickers. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying hmm. to. I'm, I'm trying to see like, like the eligible position, like by position, but I can't like, figure out how the like hell to who's do that the to top see. kicker in this draft class. Like, who who's the guy? Again, I'm trying to trying to figure that out. Um, I'm trying to think. I know Quinn Orlean uh, is going to the draft, right? Is Red, does uh, oh, Rex Specs oh. Rodrigo Rodrigo Blankenship is he is he draft eligible? Oh, Whoop. you're frozen. I can't hear a thing. <laughs> I can't. I can't oh. hear a thing. Did I, did I lose you? Hello. Uh oh. I might have lost it. You're frozen. It's it's our it is Rodrigo Blake and she is the number one. You want me to read? Can you hear me? Uh Hello? I think so. I think so now. Alright, yeah, you you were like you froze up. But yeah, go ahead. I can hear you now. I think I think you're back. You can't hear me? Hello. No, I can. Like I don't know if you're frozen though, but go go can ahead. You, can you here, yeah. All right. Well, that was oh, oh shit. <laughs> Joe. Yeah, I, I, I think you're good. Finally, you, you were, can hear me. You were, yeah. All right. Now I can. Okay. You were okay. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Okay. So Rodrigo Blankenship is the number one kicker in this year's draft class. The Georgia Hot Rod was on a streak of perfection before a missing over. Over time, cost Georgia lost South Carolina. He hit a long fifty. He hit a long of fifty yards in twenty nineteen. It was twenty seven for thirty three, eighty two percent. He had three misses in. He had three misses in the forty yard range, going eight for eleven, and two in the fifty yard range, going three for five. Blankenship is the favorite to be the first kicker taken in the twenty twenty draft. Boom! There you go. Yeah. There he you go. His projected round four through six. Okay. And again, that's that's right in the wheelhouse. They got the Bears have two sixth round picks, and if for whatever reason if he falls or something like that, they have two sevens. So again, I feel like oddly enough, that's like kind of a position where you know that's kind of where you would find a kicker is those late yeah. round picks, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, looks like Roberto's little brother Ricky from Florida State is also a kicker in this year's draft 
I'm not gonna trust any Aguayo. Nope. Not um, at all. There's okay, so F oh shit. Alright, I had something up. I think I clicked on an ad. It appears that both of our internets are just going bananas. Yeah. I don't okay. know what happened, but I had a list of kickers up that's no longer there. So well, that doesn't oh, help. You know what? I think I found my guy I want the Bears to take. Okay. And a lot of it is simply his name. His name is Jet Toner from Stanford. Dude, that's okay. Time out. That's, that's most definitely the fakest name I've ever heard. Jet Toner. His name is Jet. What? Okay. He is six foot four, 201 pounds. Here's He's a scouting a- report. Uh, here on March 28th, 2020, Toner made a 51-yard field goal in 2019, but he also missed four kicks and was 12 for 16. That's the entire scouting report. <laughs> well, man, but hey, here's the thing. You're talking about between the ears. You said he was from Stanford? Yep. So he's going to be smart as shit. He's going to be smart. <laughs> But he doesn't have the swag that Rodrigo Blankenship would have, that's for sure. Uh-oh. What's going on? Sorry, there an ad started playing. That what could you hear that? Uh-uh. Okay, good. We're we're going off the rails here between That's all right. Between oh. spotty connections, we got ads playing. Dude, all right. What the hell, man? I have this thing up from CBS with their list of kickers, but it just it just won't let me huh. like scroll down. Well, you find that, and I'm going to go with my number one on the Bears okay. list, all right? <laughs> yep. And we, are, we already went over this, but to me, I can't stress it enough. The offensive line has got to be fixed. If the yes. Bears want to be – if the Bears want to get back to the playoffs next season, the most important thing is to address the offensive line. And he, but here is the thing, and this is why they have to go heavy in the draft, and not only in the draft, but early on in, in the draft, is because they have a lot of money invested in that offensive line already. Charles Leno is getting ten to twelve million. They so is Cody Whitehair. They just paid Bobby Massey, I think, six million a year. There's a lot of money already up there. You can't really spend more money on that offensive line unit. You know, before you just go crazy, right? Like you just can't possibly spend that much money on one unit and expect to have a good football team, right? And and I brought this up earlier is that the trenches and both sides are equally important, but the trenches, the offensive and defensive lines are where that that's that's what makes a good and great football team. You look at every you look at really every great team. Right, they either have a great defensive line or a great offensive line, almost every single time, or a great quarterback, kind of like last year with Patrick Mahomes. But they also had a really good defensive line. You can never draft either the offensive line or defensive line enough, and especially like, and like I like I said, I don't know where they go. Right? Do they go tackle? Do they go guard? Do they go center? So Whitehair and and Daniels can be guard. Who knows? It does not matter at all. You simply need to get better because a, a better offensive line, whether it's better players or a better scheme, both will not only help the passing game, 
and give Mitch or Nick or wh- or whatever quarterback more time to throw. It'll also hopefully open up running lanes, you know, if they decide to run the ball more, hopefully. It will help everything on that offense. You know, it will make the wide receivers better. It'll make the passing game better. It'll make the defense better. It makes everything better. Absolutely guaranteed. And we don't know. I don't know where to go on the offensive line. You know, left tackle needs to be improved. They need a right tackle because Bobby Massey won't be there much longer. In the interior, who the hell is going to play right guard? We hear a lot about Alex Bars from Notre Dame, but he's never played in the NFL. And and that's really it. I mean, we have a Fetty who could be that guy, but he's on a one-year deal. We can't go forward. Who knows how long he's going to be there and how well he's actually going to play. So there's so many questions. And who knows where they're going to go? I would prefer someone who can play all across the line, guard, tackle, wherever. You know, whoever that guy is, whether that's a guy like Cesar, 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 Cesar Ruiz or, you know, if they decide to go later in drafts, guys like Ben Bredesen, Robert Hunt, Jonah Jackson, whoever it is, they need help and they need a lot of it. And I yeah. think, too, like, I think part of it that, like, if you want to try to find a versatile like lineman, at that point, you have to spend both of your second round picks on that. If you're talking yeah. about somebody who could play any position on the offensive line. Now, you know, if there is more specified guys, if, yeah, if you're looking for some kind of guard or left tackle, then you could still probably get them around five, round six. But I, I, I just feel like those, fir- those, those two second rounders at 43 and 50, if you're looking for that versatile guy, that's where they have to go. And then, but then unfortunately that leaves off some of these other spots. But again, I can live with that. It's you can never have too many linemen on either side right. of the ball, and right. that's I think that was the biggest frustrating thing with last year was we seen a lot of the same guys returning, but it was just stupid mistake after stupid mistake. Exactly. So if they can shore that up and just play cleaner, maybe you can get away right. with not spending your first two on somebody with there, right? right. Because it, it, they. When they're not making those bonehead mistakes, it, they're, it's not horrible. Right. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's... Oh, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, awesome. and that's the thing that we brought up earlier, was that just the year before, all five, all, that entire unit, the same five guys, played well. So what the hell happened? So it's either, it's either A, you believe in your coaching staff and players to fix it, or B... You address it heavy. I would not be mad at all if they spent 53 and 50 on both on offensive linemen. I wouldn't be mad at all. Honestly, I would totally get it. Would I be frustrated that maybe they didn't get a wide receiver safety? Okay, yeah, maybe. But if they if you if they got two guys who everyone believes that they're not reaching for and that they have good potential and that they're gonna be good right away, perfect. It'll not only helps them this season, it also helps them going forward so they don't have to go out and spend money on a big left tackle or right tackle in free agency because all those guys always get overpaid. And so that helps the cap flexibility going forward. It helps your team winning next season and the next four or five years after that. It helps absolutely everything. Yep. All right. So I finally, too, was able to the kickers? get up. I found the kickers. Yes. All right. So, let's go. Rodrigo Blankenship, they have him as the 227th prospect. 
Perfect. Okay. The Bears pick 226. 226. Right. Now, after after Rodrigo, I'm going to go solely based off of where they went to school, right? Because okay. not easy to kick in the Midwest. There's going to be cold, right? Because after Rodrigo, they have uh, another kid from Georgia, well, Georgia Southern, but from the same state as Georgia. There's no guarantees that Tyler Bass is, is going to do well here, right? So there's a kicker out of Wyoming, Cooper oh. Roth. I like him. If you can kick I in like Wyoming, him. you you can kick anywhere. Yep. They that's have a good him. That, that's what the that's what everyone says. Yeah. That's that's a saying. It is. <laughs> old, saying all this time. So <laughs> I, obviously the, the, he's ranked as the four hundred and twenty seventh prospect with the number fifth overall in terms of kickers, but I like him again oh. solely off of position. Oklahoma State, Matt Amendola. Maybe he's related to Danny and Danny Amendola. No way to know for sure, but Mike Gundy, beautiful mullet, Oklahoma yep. State, kind of the Midwest. So you would think that there could be success there. Now, we're, we're really getting into the mud here, but then there's this kid out of Miami, Ohio. I mean, if you can kick in Ohio, you can kick in Illinois. Illinois is a lot better than Ohio. Right. Um, Sam Solman, uh, okay. eh, you know. And then, and then um, Logan Justice, Indiana, right? That's pretty Ooh. damn close. A Big Ten kicker. He's a big dude, 182. Is he? Yeah, well, that's not bad. This dude, Ricky Aguayo from Florida State, is a big dude if we're talking about kickers. Whoa. Okay, see, here's here's someone even bigger. I like this guy, but it's Marshall, West Virginia, not known for cold. But, dude, this dude is 6'3", 230. That is huge for a kicker. Hey, that's a big kicker. All right, I'm here for it. So... And then if we really, Central Michigan, Ryan Tice, don't know who that is, but if you could kick at Central Michigan, you sure as hell could kick in Chicago. It's a hell of a lot yeah, better right. place than Central Michigan. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know how the Bears eva- evaluate kickers, but this is really how they should do it. Okay, what's their name? Where did they kick? That's all they need, right? That, I mean, seriously, this conversation. You know, did they kick in the Midwest? Do they have a cool name? cool they're on our board right like that that should be it right that's what i'm saying like the only the only ding on this um oh boy we're gonna all right justin rohorwasser oh there's no way that's how you say it but dude it's (laughs) r-o-h how you would say that combination of letters and then they so <laughs> sorry dude but again he's 6'3 230 that is a beast of a kicker that's a big so, man again granted he was kicking at marshall west virginia not known for their cold but he sure as hell has a midwest body now yeah does that, yeah does that sound kind of weird to say about another man definitely <laughs> but that's just how football scouting goes. There's a lot of weird things you say when you take a step back and you're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. <laughs> right. So if not at 226, perfectly ranked where they have Rodrigo Blankenship, if not him, I like the dude out of Marshall just because he's a beast. Like, that's unbelievable, yep. dude. Yep. 6230 could be like a solid like running back wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Could put him at linebacker for all that. Damn. Dude, and the dude's a kicker. So, all right, I'm glad I finally got that kicker list to load up. 
whoop, whoop. All right, sorry. For whatever reason, my, like, whatever. But hopefully that was worth it. It took a little time, but hopefully the finding, finally finding the kicker list was worth it. I think so. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, we basically just scouted the entire kick, all the kickers, basically, in, like, two minutes. That's what I'm saying. That's how it should be done. Like, Grand Valley, hit me up. Somebody, like, I feel like I'd be a great scout. I think so too, honestly. Like, like I don't know, I don't know why that is, but like all I all all you really need to do is how big are they and where did they play and where are they going to play? That's it. That's really it. Uh, outside Not of you know, the nor- outside of the normal intangibles, but like hand size, I feel like that's a gimmicky stat. I don't get why people are yeah, so like helped on it when it comes to like quarterback stuff. Now, you know, I guess I understand stand it for a colder climate or something but that's like the one of the most gimmicky measurements that i've always felt was like really yeah. stupid that for whatever reason a lot of these like uh scouts and draft experts like hold so dearly to i, I never yeah. understood that measurement i'm totally with you i i don't get it either you know that might not even make a bad little episode it's the top five most stupid combine measurements yeah different different scouting <laughs> metrics Dude, yeah. they're like, they're like the goofy things is like all the stories you hear too, but like the wacky like questions that these prospects will get asked. Yeah. Like that don't even seem like they have any kind of like metric. Like if you could be an animal, what would you be? Or like if you were right. to kill your, if you were to kill your sister, how would you do it? Like just banana shit like that. These right. guys get asked. It's like. I don't know if they're just trying to like throw off their scent or like trying to get like a quick response to like see maybe like how quickly they're going to react to certain things on the field. But yeah, dude, to to be like a top pro- like when you just listen to some of these stories of like t- higher end prospects of like when they were being scouted and stuff like that, it's like what does any of that have to do with football? Right. Nothing. Like, like pop on the film, watch them. You can look at like height and weight, right? Like that makes sense, but hand size, foot size, shoe size, calf size. None of that makes any sense or, in my opinion, is any kind of relevant to how you're going to perform out on the field. Right. Yep. It's not not as complicated as it needs to be. It should be pretty simple, right, you would think. But But, who knows? We're also not experts, so. Master of none, man. I'm not an expert really at anything. Nope. Not us. I believe... We just successfully broke down the biggest needs for the Bears. I believe so. And we also went through the entire, you know, draft class of kickers. So, hey, man, you can never have too many kickers. Hell no, you can't. But, I mean, yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship, I want that guy. I want his goggles. I want it all. Dude. But really, you know what? I just want, I want any Bears kicker just to have goggles on. That's what I really want, actually. Dude, like, and it could just be, like, me and, like, my sort of, like, knucklehead, like, group of friends, I guess. But, like, if I was, like, ever getting together with, like, people to, like, watch, like, college football with, it was, like, anytime uh, Blankenship got on the field, it was always must-see TV. Like, oh, absolutely. Name a more electric kicker than Rodrigo Blankenship. You can't. There's not. No. There's other, not. I... Other than Robert Aguayo getting, like, tr- like, drafted in the second round and then getting that cut. That was it. Yep, that was it. I mean, never in my life could I tell you a kicker from any other college football team other than Michigan. Never, except for Rodrigo Blankenship. That's it. He's the only one. 
ever. That's the GOAT status right there. Speaking of Michigan kickers, did you see that uh, what's-his-face with hit a 69-yarder? Moody, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone saw that he did a 69-yarder, and everyone commented, nice. Dude, I love I, I love when like real things too. Like the Detroit Free Press like tweeted out nice. Like when when right. you get like actual major like serious publications jumping on right. sixty nine jokes. Like it's so good, man. <laughs> right. It's so funny to see. Like just nice. It's perfect. It's, it's perfect. And like, poor one, Moody, you know, he didn't even probably intend for that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like he was probably just like seeing like let's just keep moving back. How far can I actually right. go? Or like another one that like I love that like he's like kind of become so like self aware about is Schefter. So you remember after um after when um Miles Garrett knocked Mason Rudolph in the head and he just like tweeted out like assault. And then like right. people start like <laughs> making fun of him for it now. And now I'm always seeing he's um Schefter's always just doing like assault. And I do that shit now too. Like it's so funny. Like okay. just just assault, period. <laughs> 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 like it's so funny man and then like uh part of my take had chef Dion and they were asking him about that and, and he was just like well that's what i saw it was it was assault <laughs> but, like it's so funny man when uh, people when pe- anytime like people are able to become like self-aware like that or just again jump on board with 69 jokes like i feel like that really started with like almost like gronk right like have you ever yeah. seen all right after we hang up or whatever, just like go on YouTube and look. Oh, what the hell was it? Gronk was on Dan. I pa- uh, was on the Dan Patrick show, mm-hmm. and he had brought like a little gnome for Dan Patrick. And dude, he's like a puppy dog. Gronk, that is. He saw that the thermometer because it was like a little Patriots gnome with like a thermometer on it. He was just like bringing it as like a gift for Patrick to like put in his studio. But Gronk goes and looks at the der- thermometer, and it said sixty nine degrees. And you can see Gronk's brain just break. Cause like he picks up the gnome and he's just like, it's 69 in here. And then he's like sitting, like waiting for everybody else to laugh. And then like no one does. So he just like laughs to himself again. And just the rest of the interview, he's just can't focus. Like it's Uh, it's so damn funny, man. uh, Gronk. Have you seen seen now too, that like there's like very slim rumors that he would possibly come out of retirement to go to Tampa. Can you imagine how crazy that would be? God, yeah, that there was, was like rumors. Insane. I don't get because like I was seeing he's like still somehow under contract with like the Pats, so like they would have to like somehow agree to it, even though he's already filed his retirement papers and stuff like that. But yeah, there's like rumors that he would possibly come back to go play with Tom at Tampa. That would be incredible. I would love that. I would love that. I don't know if it's gonna happen though, but I would love it. Dude, and that's one thing too that I don't understand how like if Gronk retired from the NFL because he was like I'm just like tired of the toll it's taken on my body right you you could totally agree the dude's back and shoulders but then he went and became a professional wrestler how's it any right. better for you than playing football like it's just as physical like sure it's right. all choreographed but like it still takes a toll on your body so I don't get that but I don't know yeah shout out to the know. Bucks finally not having those alarm clock uniforms absolutely yeah for real <laughs> for like real. they're so much better and then dude atlanta's are so bad dude yeah Yikes. like just the like cheesy like atl on the chest that looks like something like a third grader makes on like madden 06 when you didn't really have many options for a uniform yep. when you create 
team. Like it just looks so bad. Yep. I I I'm 100% with you. But Joe, we have completely went off the rails. Yep. <laughs> but that's what we do best here. So but what do you say we get back on track and let's wrap things up? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, there's a lot of positions that the Bears need to address for the long-term health and future yeah. of the team, but they just simply don't have the capital to do it. Exactly. So it will be interesting to see what Pace is able to do. Maybe yeah. he gets on the phone with a team like Miami, who has a ton of picks, or a team who there was another. I feel like New England also has like a weirdly high number of picks too. Yeah, they do. They they always have a high amount of picks because they also get a bunch of like uh, compensatory picks too. So, yeah, maybe Pace gets on the horn with the team, figures something out. There's all kinds of outside of the Bears world. There's all kinds of crazy things saying Detroit might trade down, saying that maybe Burrow isn't a lock to go to Cincy. So there's a lot of crazy storylines that could happen here in the next couple weeks with the draft to hopefully kind of take a weird thing that nobody's even really ever used to or seeing, and hopefully we get an exciting draft out of it. It'll be interesting. The teams at the top aren't always necessarily known for making the right decisions, right? Like you said earlier, Chase Young should be a lock for number two to Washington, but they're going to somehow screw that up. Yeah, and we'll totally see. This draft is going to be extremely, extremely enticing. The minute it begins until the minute it is over. And to me, this is, this is really the draft that we're going to see what Ryan Pace is all about. Because there's a lot of needs, and there's not a lot of quality picks to fill them. Like you said, that's gonna be this is gonna be the sign of a really good GM. Does he have the patience? Does he have the wherewithal to really maybe trade back and acquire more picks? Who knows? Because we have never seen him trade. I think we saw him trade back one time before, but he's traded up ten times more than he's traded back. We will see what he does, but we'll find that out in the next week. So again, this has been Bear With Us. Thank you guys for bearing with us and listening to us. Yep. Hopefully you guys listen. I mean, I imagine they were probably like, eh, and then we started talking about kickers and stuff, and, were, you know, excitement level probably went up, hopefully. so Dude, That's usually how it works. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You, you plan what you want to talk about, and then it's always the shit that you don't plan on talking about that the people actually love. So maybe we should just not plan anything ever. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But again, thank you guys for listening. This is again, Bear With Us. My name is Jordan Jensen. And co-host, Jill Bolanski. And we will talk to you guys later.